Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and I'm a sexual abuse recovery coach, and I've been doing this work since 2007, and I'm also the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. All right, folks. Well, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And today I have here with me Vanille Makwakwa, who's going to be sharing about her journey of healing uh, and a really important piece of the puzzle that, you know what, I don't know that we've even touched on this, even though we're in year 10 of the podcast, overcoming financial fears and generational money trauma. So even just those words might pique your interest, like, what is that? I've never heard that term before. So Vanilla is going to be here to really break it down for us uh, and share some really pro tips for really facing and overcoming financial fears, along with really just sharing her story. She has really, you know, come out of trauma to go on to be an author, a speaker, a world traveler, founder of Wealthy Money and a wealth coach. She's a yogi and host of both the Money Magic and the Property Magician podcast. So I'm ready for some magic, Vanilla. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I deeply appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So where are you joining us from? I am joining from a small little village called Chagastat in South Africa. So if you don't find it on the map or you can't find it on Google or anything, that's okay. No one can really find it. 
but it's uh, 45 minutes from the border of Swaziland and I'm in my childhood home. I'm visiting my mother because, yeah, this is, I think everyone's been like, this is the longest you've stayed in the village. I'm like, no, that's not true. I do stay long when I visit. It's just, uh -huh. I think I'm just never around long enough for people to know that I'm here. Nice. But this time I'm here. It's been so nice. It's been wow. so amazing. That sounds really <laughs> lovely. I'm glad you're getting to be there and hang out with mom a little bit. You, know, you just stay a little sneaky sometimes, it sounds like. I just don't catch <laughs> on that you're there, the people in the neighborhood. So this is where you grew up yeah. and where you lived yeah. a lot of your life, I'm guessing. And then you, you know, you've gone on to just travel mm -hmm. and see so much of the world, but I'd love if you could just take us a little bit back, you know, to your childhood and, and what it was like growing up and, you know, what you dealt with and faced as a child. Yeah. Like, I think I didn't, I, I'm a nomad now, but I, when I look back growing up, I never, ever spent more than like maybe four years in a school. So we're constantly moving around. Because I, yeah. I remember thinking one day, why is it so easy for me to just pack and leave countries? And I realized that actually in many ways I'd moved around. So growing up in the village, so South Africa and our history, it meant that the villages were really for people, for black people, and we were very segregated. So to get a decent education, you had to be taken to a different part of South Africa pre-1994. So 1994, I was in grade six when the entire um, country started to shift and everything. But until mm. then, I lived in the village, but from the time I was maybe seven, I had to go to boarding school to get a good education. So because the system for most people that don't know about the South African system, the South African education system was also very segregated and it was created in such a manner that like a different people of different race groups got different types of education and it was really dumbed down on purpose. So ended up going to a boarding school run by American nuns. <laughs> so we'd get like pen pals from abroad and then like live this completely different lifestyle wow. and then come back yeah. to the village. And when 1994 happened, now was this whole concept of this rainbow South Africa, the first time we have democratic elections, everything. And my mom and my uncle decided that we should move to Joburg and then we could go to uh, school there. There was no longer a need to be in a boarding school, um, especially one run by Catholic nuns because the religious institutions, the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, they were, I don't want to say immune to the apartheid system, but definitely the government decided to just allow them to do integrated education and didn't really want to interfere with them. I think they just were really scared of the backlash if they then got like all the religious people around the world, all the Catholics or all the Anglicans, just going ham and crazy. So they just chose their battles. But after that, mm, interesting. we moved to Johannesburg and 
in Joburg, that's when I started <laughs> um, living at home, which was actually where the bulk of my problem started because I went from being in boarding school where you basically with your peers, you get pocket money, you're basically without adult supervision, it's a boarding school and everybody's having sort of a great time. And then you go back home and now there are these people starting from grade seven as you're entering your teens, when is, which is the time when you really need your freedom, who now dictates to you what you need to do, how you need to behave. Whereas up until then, like I'd be big change. Yeah. 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 My mother, we moved in with my uncle, and this is kind of crazy. People always go like, what? My uncle left for exile and basically was brought up during the, uh, the apartheid system. He brought himself up in East Germany and all these Western countries. So he came back with a very different view of what child-rearing uh, child was compared to everyone else that had stayed here. So now I come from boarding school with the American nuns and their version of what it's like to bring up little kids. And then there's my mom and then there's my uncle and then there's my grandmother and all these kind of converged and just the family dynamics and the trauma by the time I was like 14, I was a runaway child. Like it was really, really hectic. Like I was constantly <laughs> running away from home. Just people didn't know where I was and I'd be gone for days, not just like a little thing. So it was really a tumultuous time and I ended up in therapy. So. I always say to people, like, I was in therapy from the time I was 14 up until I was 17 when I left high school, because the four, the, from grade nine until grade 12, because I just couldn't do it. And on top of that, you go from home where I'm being brought up by my grandmother, who is obviously very old school, born in the 1920s. My mom is there, my uncle is there, but like my grandmother has the most say because matriarchal <laughs> a household. Right. And then you go into this really into a private school that is very, very Western, right? With very, very Western ideas where kids have like money, <laughs> right? And yeah. then you're coming home to this different space. Yeah, it was just a recipe for just, can I please? And we were also the first generation to go into integrated schooling in South Africa. Wow. So our parents were also like, what the hell is going on? Because we're coming home with these very Western ideas of being a teenager, what we want, what's expected of us. And they're just like, we have no clue. We've never ever interacted with anyone except the people that look like us. <laughs> you know? mm. <laughs> like, mm. what the heck? So yeah, South Africa becomes, I mean, like it's, I don't, obviously everyone's trauma is unique and their family dynamics are mm. unique, but some of the social, uh, social issues that I've just described. Yeah. Uh, very much a South African story. <laughs> yeah. 
Daniela, thank you for for sharing that. And you know, I uh, I really am struck by exactly that the ways in which you were having to bridge so many different things all within a very short span of time uh expectations of yourself uh your own internal like sense of self and how that was developing and the you know influences that were around you and trying to kind of consolidate and all of these different messages I imagine and then yeah, yeah. you know having a home where you have like these different generations and then different cultural perspectives influencing how you're being being raised and maybe how you're being disciplined or how you're being parented and yeah. not having not wanting to have any of it because you've had some freedom <laughs> right at boarding school so coming home and kind of being you know wanting to to have your own space in your own way um and bumping up against um you know some very maybe not healthy ways of you know navigating supporting you parenting you is that about right yeah totally I think Honest to goodness, like I think none of the adults were equipped to parent me, A, because of my personality, right? Mm. Like that's that's like very, very obvious now as I'm an adult, but also just yeah. because of all the things that were also happening, all the socioeconomic changes that were happening in the country and mm. how it was impacting us, impacting the messaging, as as you're saying, and our sense of self, who we were as people coming of age in that time. So it was mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. really, really tumultuous. And also my uncle had very, very interesting views. Like I would go to this private school where everyone's hyper-capitalistic and parents are like CEOs and all this. And my uncle having, gr having grown up in East Germany during the communist era, was like drumming like Karl Marx into me and I was like going and I was Boy, able to break so much of communist theory and I'd like have fights with my teachers and be like that's not what my uncle taught me this is not what I'm learning at home wow <laughs> right yeah so I what I hear in that is it's also like how do I create a framework for society how I function and work in society money right the whole level of like classism yeah. and socioeconomic status and seeing how money yeah. is being generated over here under this capitalistic system and then over here yeah. these different views of points about how we're supposed to interact and connect with each other the role that money plays you know in our lives and so what an eclectic I mean conflicting but ultimately really yeah. eclectic way to come in yeah. to thinking about and learning about you know these different systems that are ultimately mm -hmm. very central to our, our lives yeah, like I think actually as I'm talking about this, I feel like the penny is dropping as to why I'm why I had a particular argument last week around privilege. Cause I feel like having been brought up with this idea of um just like for lack of a better word, the proletariat, you know, is like yeah. a whole different viewpoint. And it's so interesting that like the work that I do is around entrepreneurship and helping people expand and accelerate their businesses and grow. And just how much conflict that has been for me internally and having mm -hmm. to work through some of the things that I was taught about uh, greed and all these things and trying and having to merge like, how do you do good 
for yourself and for your family, right. but also how do you do good for society? Because that was the core of my entire upbringing. My sister and I, right, was like, how do you do good by society and for mm. everyone else around you regardless because of what yeah. of where my uncle was coming from and his entire philosophy. So it's actually so interesting now that I'm reflecting back on it. I'm yeah. like, okay, that's weird. Well, you know, it really, in many ways, rings true for me uh, in a different context, a completely different, you know, kind of culture world. But growing up in Oklahoma, you know, in the country, yeah. uh, you know, there was this very much this like, you know, you help your neighbor, you give the shirt off your back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always about, you know, charity. And don't get too big for your britches, you know, was Thank one of you. the major yeah. messages that we got, right? And I remember as I was developing my business and I was starting to, you know, um, you know, get more traction and more visibility, I had a lot of an internal resistance. I had to work through mm. some, you know, fears and some messaging there about money, um, about growth, about, you know, opportunity, the balance <laughs> between greed and giving, you know, and like having and giving and all of that. So it's, I, I love that we can relate on that level, despite yeah. very different, you know, backgrounds growing up, but that messaging, and I'm guessing for those of you listening, this is a great opportunity for you to start even just starting to tap in and noticing, well, what are the things that have shaped my view of mm -hmm. success, of money, of growth, of opportunity, and beginning to identify those, you know, influences so we can start to understand, well, what parts of that do I want to hold on to? Like, I'm still very charitable within my work. I offer lots of free resources while still, mm. like, what are the parts that I need to let go of, right? And so yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that more, but yeah, does that, you know, resonate with you? Does that bring anything up for you, Vanila? It really does, hey? I think for me, what it, what it brings up is just a better understanding of, under, of understanding the many identities that have really shaped who I am as a person and mm -hmm. my money story, right? Because it's not just, I talk a lot about trauma and I, that's my work, right? Like, and I analyze that, but I don't always go here where like I look at like the influences and how all those things then influence to form the identity that is me right and understanding how all those people and their input has created me as part of the identity that I am today is really really powerful because I can understand why in certain moments I have the lens that I have, especially I'm so deeply triggered when like I hear that people are being underpaid or like mm. when I see that like um, some people have a lot and some people don't, I just like have whole meltdowns and I get super triggered. And a lot of that is, I think, well, not I think, as I know, it's because of my uncle and like the things that he drummed in, right? And just like, all the ways that he would spend so many evenings teaching us about Karl Marx and communism ideology. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, the me that is like working within the capitalist system. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm- That's where I find my way. 
I totally hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because right? I still want to do good and you yeah. want to balance that out. And then there's times when you just feel so guilty when you're like, at least for me, where I'm like, and I've spoken a lot about this, where as my business has grown and when I started hitting six figures, how it would feel like so like, oh my gosh, my first emotion was an exhilaration, was deep guilt and having to work through that, right? Because I would spent my life hearing about the greedy capitalist pigs. <laughs> and yes, those are the right. Capitalists. I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to be one of them. So what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's just a quick break. And when we come back, I really want to dig into this more. Like what is generational money trauma? What do we, what are some of the common fears that people hold about money? How do we deal with that guilt? Like what do we actually do with it to get it out of our way? Uh, so let's take just a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to be really helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist and get your nine page guide today. Now back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Vanille Bakwakwa, and we are talking about money, and we need to. You know, I have a really great group of women in my life, and we get down to the the nits, the, the tax and bolts of it. How much are you making? How much are you saving? <laughs> what are you doing with your money, right? And I remember, like, in the early days of those conversations, feeling really twitchy, like, oh, we're not supposed to talk about this. Oh, but, you know, we get to talk generally about money. Like, oh, I'm doing fine. Oh, we have enough. But boy, when yeah. you start to say, no, this is the exact dollar amount that I'm making. This is how much I made mm -hmm. last year, right? Like, and all of that, it really starts to push, push some edges. But I'm glad we're here having this conversation because we need to normalize it to be able to talk about it in, you know, detail, not in kind of these loose terms. And I guess where I would love to, to dive into this topic with you as a start is just, first of all, this, this moment of realization for you, like, oh, I'm holding trauma around money, around finances. And um, as you came into that realization, what did you notice started to change about your relationship with money? Wow. Yeah. So my realization was kind of like do or die because I started developing panic attacks with money. I was living in Boston, Massachusetts. I just finished my MBA and I then started out of the blue. So I set this income goal. I'm like, oh my gosh, my friends were telling me they've just everyone's graduated. People are getting jobs. And I'm like, I'm not getting a job. So someone tells me about the secret, right? And oh, I yeah, okay. my friend tells me about the secret. If you see it, you can be it, think it, write the goal down. I write the goal down. 
I'm visualizing, I'm affirming, I'm doing all of the things. And guess what happens to me? Like I start mm. getting panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I, can, I go from the extreme opposite of whatever people are experiencing when they watch this movie. And for months, I start not being able to touch money, handle money, go buy food, go do anything without a full-on panic attack. And eventually, like, I get so depressed, I can't even get out of bed. And this goes on for two years. And I'm just like, what is happening? You know, so I'm thinking yes. I'm a complete failure here because... Yes. Everyone, I'm and worse, I'm reading the testimonials. I'm hearing how people are doing the affirmations, visualizing, and things just are not working out for me. Nobody yeah, had like, what's wrong me with about me? Truth. Why can't I manifest everything around me? Yeah, yeah. Right? Heard that. I'm doing yep, totally. everything. Why am I not yeah. manifesting? Why is it doing the opposite for me? In fact, like my life is going the opposite. I'm not even joking. Like I was losing friends. Everything yeah. that could happen, my health was falling. So that's how I knew. I was like, no, man, something is happening. And then a friend of mine, I was having a conversation with him, goes, you should, well, a friend and his wife, and they go, you should go to Vipassana. And you should just go meditate at Vipassana. And I signed up for Vipassana. But then this is kind of trigger warning. I decided that I'm actually just going to take my life instead, right? So I go to a tarot reader. And he says to me, I see and I feel like you're on the edge of taking your own life, but you've signed up for a 10-day retreat that is going to go change your life. You're going to be silent for 10 days and it is going to change your life. So at this point, he's like, just hold on for me. Promise me you will hold on until the end of March, right? I mean, like, what oh. are the chances? And I used to read tarot with him. So he was like, he was so incredible yeah, as a tarot reader. And so yeah. I go, okay, I'll hold on. I go to Vipassana. I go, I do Vipassana for 10 days. In those 10 days, I realized that there's no money around. I'm not having to deal with money. I'm not having to do anything. Right. But every okay. single time I sit to meditate, I'm thinking about money and I'm panicking. My nervous system is going crazy. My emotions are all over the place. And that's when I start to realize, no, this is deeper than the money. Something more is going on here. So I start noticing. So I'm supposed to be in the past, but like day four, I'm like, okay, start noticing what is happening. You're thinking these thoughts around money. You're noticing those emotions. And then there's sensations that are coming up in your body. Sit, and Vipassana teaches you to sit with the sensations. So I just keep sitting with them. Notice. And I notice that every time I sit with these sensations, memories are coming up. Not just memories, but past life memories. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then other unrelated memories of other people that I don't know, that don't feel like past life. That's when I was like, okay, something deeper is happening here. What I've noticed about the habit pattern of my mind is that I think about money 24 seven nonstop. It's driving me crazy, but that there's also memories tied to it. There's sensations that come up. It completely dysregulates my nervous system and something is happening. 
So do I not go out of there and I'm like, memory going to Google? I never heard of, I actually never heard. <laughs> go to the Google, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I'm a yeah. finance graduate. I've done an MBA. What the heck do I know about trauma? And mm. I've been taught about money in a very specific fashion, but luckily I'd also majored in economics in undergrad. So I've learned, I developed an interest in behavioral economics. So my first thing is emotions plus money. I start just Googling. All the stuff that comes up is like behavioral finance thesis. I go, I pay, I download everything I can in academia because I'm like, I'm going to read every single thesis because I'm really invested. And then somewhere along the line comes this notion that, oh my gosh, money and emotions are tied in. I end up writing my book, Heart, Mind and Money. But then I talked to a friend of mine and he says, have you ever considered that your emotions are not just yours? They are your ancestors as well. You come from a family of shamans. You may want to do, you may want to explore that. And that was the beginning of the end. And so started this incredible body of work for me. <laughs> I mean, lady, I'm just saying, first of all, I love just the way your mind works. I love this phrase that you even just used. Did y'all catch that? Habitat of the mind? <laughs> like, like oh, the habitat pattern that. of the mind. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. What did you say? The habit pattern of the mind. Goenka yeah. Jean Vipassana says that all the time. He's like, yeah. watch the habit pattern of your mind. Interesting. Oh, that's, oh, so I totally misheard you, but I love them both. Habit patterns of your mind. And then that creates the habitat. <laughs> yeah. The world and the universe you live in. Uh, and yeah, Ooh. so I loved also, yeah, this thing that you just said about how money and emotions, they sit together and not mm-hmm. just your experiences, but also your ancestors and how that all yeah. plays a part. So as you started to unpack this, what did you um, notice were some of the common beliefs that you held that you had to overcome? Financial fears, like what were the habit patterns um, and the belief systems that you held around money that you ultimately had to release or challenge in order to be able to address or or overcome, you know, that that trauma, what you were holding there? Wow. So many, but I'll tell you maybe my top five. The very first one that came up was I am cursed with money. And it just, I truly believed it. And the reason, and I realized why I believed it was because in my entire family, I'd come from, I come from this, from a paternal and a maternal family where people are highly educated, right? People have masters, PhDs, there was never a question that I would go to university, you know, Mm. let's just put it that Mm -hmm. way because everyone before me had gone to university. So I had never, ever doubted that I would get into university. My siblings, my cousins, they just, I don't think any of them have ever sat down and just thought maybe I won't go because, you know, you do what everyone before you has done and you've seen Mm -hmm. that this is a path that is possible. So up in that environment though what I saw growing up was that all these incredible nurses doctors teachers lawyers engineers all these people that were like at the top of their game in their careers just could not hold on to money 
they were constantly struggling with money or even if they could hold on to money they could just never create more than enough they just had just enough mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. enough to send us to the best schools just enough to make sure that we had like an incredible um a lifestyle in certain things but just never more than enough and there was always this deep fear within the family within of with all the caregivers and all the adults that were going to run out of money there's not enough money there's never enough money and the conversation was always that so I then see. and then when i then uh, go get my mba graduate travel the world do everything and then i can't get a job uh after uh, that and not only that but i'm struggling with panic attacks and depression and i have this very real problem that i cannot because of mental health stuff you know really yeah, even consider generate income like, yeah you know so then it's like i must because so i had i felt like that was one of the biggest hardest beliefs for me to work through because I mean what are panic attacks suddenly with money if now I've gone I've done the MBA I've done everything that society has told me to do and I now have this mental health um issue and I can't get a job I can't generate an income etc cetera, etc cetera. so it must be a curse right and I've never ever yeah. seen anyone in my family do the achieve any of the things that I wrote down after watching the secret so it must not be possible and this just proves it so that was the one the belief yeah, and it was a hard one. one to do the other one was wanting to make money wanting to make more than enough money makes me selfish oh yeah. that was a and this one, yeah. i see a lot of women have this belief as well they tend Big to time. carry this belief which is that if i want to make a lot of money i it means that i'm selfish and then the other one was it's just not safe to have money and make money i had mm. seen a lot of arguments within my family and i'd seen how like when someone had money it created envy and resentment let's say that you had money coming from the background that you come from you'll appreciate this Rachel right like when a family member comes and they need help and the person with money says no sorry i can't help you so that was seen as completely selfish and then that person yeah. was cut out and cut off and gossiped yeah. about so having money and then it just didn't feel safe and worse having boundaries with money meant that i was going to lose my family's love and my friends love and support because how dare you have something and then have boundaries around it when everyone around you doesn't have you know yep. so yeah all this talk yep. of boundaries for me if that talk had been around when i was studying if it was as prominent when i was studying to do the work i would have freaked out cuz i know people tell me about boundaries and i was like no you don't understand the community i come from that is not going to be a thing it's still you know my family yeah. is there's an expectation yeah there's yeah and living uh, up to those expectations and then the other one was for me as an entrepreneur that it doesn't matter what i do no one will ever pay for my products and services and that came from 
having been bullied as a child at school, you know, I was always this misfit of a child, you know, um, yeah. and I'm like, well, if you look at my life as an adult, you can almost understand, you know, I've taken this completely different path. And so I used to believe that people will not like me because I'd never, I've never been, even till this day, I've never been the girl, the woman slash the child who has had a click, you know? So I could not imagine that I would have a tribe of people that would want to buy from me and would want my products and services. So how would that happen? I mean, because in my head, there was yeah. that identity of the popular girl who was rejected. Mm -hmm. was still, so I thought that the adult me would just step in and it would be the same kind of thing. Right. Well, thank you for breaking that down for us. I, as you're sharing, I'm nodding like all the time because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I get that one. Oh yeah, me too. I feel that. Yep. Went through that. Face that. And it just, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that to a certain extent, there can be different um, money mindsets for women than men, right? Women are mm -hmm. socialized differently around yeah. money than men are so that's also another place to get curious and to start to question and notice like okay so what mindsets do I hold just purely because mm -hmm. I identify as female and was raised within you know that context yeah yeah and so whether you all listening are you know also identifying with the fears um that Vanilla has mentioned or uh you're starting to notice other belief systems starting to come up like oh i think that about money oh wow that's a belief system mm. i hold there the the first step i think is identifying you've got to start to understand yeah. the beliefs that you're holding there and then we can begin the work of challenging them i know in the time that we have that we might not be able to go you know through all of the steps but what do you think are some of the the first things that a person can do once they've identified wow i have this you know limiting belief about money what do you recommend that people what advice do you give them to start you know unraveling that um and getting free of those limiting beliefs oh wow like i definitely feel like um one of the first steps is really sitting with the beliefs and noticing where they sit in your body mm -hmm. so we carry trauma in the body yes trauma lives in the mind as well obviously but it also lives in the body. So we have to incorporate the body into healing. So what I usually say to people is repeat the belief, close your eyes and just set a timer for maybe anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes and just observe as you repeat where it sits in the body, then bring your attention to the body and just breathe. Don't try to change it, observe, bring your breath out there, like allow, the breath to go into that area of the body and then just give it a sound, start sounding out and just start asking yourself after maybe 15 minutes of feeling into it without an attachment to have the sensation change at all. Just getting curious about where does this come from? Where did I learn this, right? And then just waiting to have the body answer, see what comes up. For some people, it will come up as a vision. 
some people as an auditory answer, for some people will just be a knowing, an innate knowing when nothing is happening, but you just know where it comes from. All that is like your body communicating with you. And just ask, how do I behave when I have this thought and when my body feels like this? How do I behave with money when earning money, making with making money, saving money, uh, like just pay, spending money, any of those things. And then just wait for the answer again. And then just get curious and say, what would it feel like if I just didn't have this thought in my body? Or if I just never, ever had this thought, right? Mm-hmm. And then just feel, allow the body's sensations to guide you, right? And then just ask what becomes possible for me without this thought, right? And then just see, write it down and keep, and you can do this exercise of the same thought over and over again. I used to believe like Mm. one of my core beliefs was also just like how I said, it's just, um, I was cursed with money, right? Like that belief, I think I sat with it like this for like a month. I could, Mm. I could not see a version of me that did not hold on to this belief. And I had to practice so much patience with myself to just allow my body to take its time until it felt safe to just release that belief so that it no longer felt like it had its grips on me but once it releases Mm -hmm. boy oh boy it's so powerful because some of these beliefs are the most they so they become they being part of us for so long we formed them in childhood and we didn't even realize it you know and they've been just running the show and getting us to do weird things with money and so it's going to take a quite a bit of time sometimes patience compassion to just release without judgment without needing the body to release in this red hot minute because we want a solution right now we oh, need yeah, right it now. to happen Please, right now right now right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yes wow what beautiful practice thank you for modeling that and just giving us some you know step by steps for how to start sitting you know with a belief system just letting it be welcoming mm-hmm. it understanding it understanding the root of it and then what a powerful question can I begin to imagine a me that never ever had that belief and so mm-hmm. instead of this idea of I am cursed what is the belief you hold about yourself now today? I now just believe that I am blessed, you know? I think that I am blessed in many ways. I can see the blessings, right? Like, and even, and the beauty of it is that I actually even see that even the panic attacks were my greatest blessing. Because without Mm. the panic attacks, without the depression, How do I get to do this work without understanding what it means to come to the brink of taking your own life without have understanding the power of friends that have that held vigils around Mm -hmm. me like my friends Mm -hmm. would do shifts to make sure that I am okay and I keep staying in this world. I mean, how else would I be able to understand the depths of trauma and what it feels like for a person to just say, I can't take anymore. And for me to hold space for the kind of trauma that I hold space for. 
So I feel like it, I started to hold the belief that I am blessed, not just with money, but just on this journey that I've been blessed. And not only have I been blessed, but I am divinely held throughout everything. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That just really hit me. I mean, right. There's a, uh, there's a trust and there's a power in that. And there's a, there's a mindset in that, that creates for me, what the like, words that come to mind are spaciousness, availability, yeah. opportunity, right? It's a, uh, it's expansive yeah. to lean into the yes. idea of blessings to, and I lean into the idea of being divinely held and, um, yeah. and trust our path and exactly the work that you've done yeah. to reframe those challenges that you've faced and how they've helped you to have more empathy and clarity. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you. I honestly could keep talking to you for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I, I feel like you have just a wealth, yes, pun intended, of knowledge. <laughs> Um, that we probably like just tips, you know, hit the, the tip of the iceberg, but what a, what a joy it's been to connect with you. I'm so glad to know you're out there in the world doing the work that you do. Um, I really recommend you all listening to go and find out more um, about the services and the work that Vanille is offering. Go to wealth-money.com. Um, you can go to youtube.com slash wealthmoney1. And uh, I will put all those links in the show notes, but definitely reach out. And um, can you tell us the title of your, your book one more time? Yes, it's Heart, Mind and Money, Using Emotional Intelligence for Financial Success. You guys can find it on Amazon, but you can also find it on wealthy-money.com forward slash academy. You can find the ebook or you can find both the ebook and the hardcover on Amazon. Um, it's kind of like a schlep though, sometimes with the hardcover on Amazon, because it's like people have driven the price up beyond like $150 at times for the book and I'm just like this is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) right it's like oh this is the exact system that I don't want like it needs to support me but also it's making things hard but uh, yes amazing (laughs) I'm glad you have it out there and that it can be accessible you know get that paperback version but um yeah, so um, just any final thought for our listeners today? Anything you'd like to leave them with? Yes, I, would, I always say this, but I really want to reiterate it again, which is if you're struggling with money stuff, it's often not about the money. I promise you, it's almost about everything else but the money. And I know that most of us feel like if we can just get this money stuff sorted out, you know, then everything will be sorted. And that's true. But also, we want to be able to do the, we want to do the inner work and heal so that when we do start making money, we can hold it. The nervous system feels comfortable holding it and receiving it. So it comes back to the inner work. It comes back to healing trauma. And can I give people one other resource? Of course. Okay. I do have a seven day, a free seven day tapping into ancestral money wisdom training. So for anyone that's interested, they can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash training. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash training. 
I'm going to write that down because I want to, I'll leave that in the show notes as well. Training. Awesome. Awesome. That's what a great gift. Thank you for having that out there as a, a resource. And, um, again, just thank you again for making the time and for being here and sharing your wisdom. You are such an inspiration and a badass and so powerful and such a voice that we need to tell us, you know what, it's okay to make money. It's okay to be have wealth. It's okay to hold on to money. And, you know, we des- we have the deservingness of all of that. So thank you again for us for being here and being my guest today. Thank you. And uh, yeah. And thank you everybody who's tuning in and listening. Uh, appreciate you being here as well. Um, don't forget to pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the other resources there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.